0: that jump-started for me another series that was ob- observing those roadkill animals, really. Um And so it got me thinking about death and the ferocity of an animal, but also the sort of tenderness of its texture. So there's that duality. And so one thing led to another where I was thinking suddenly about mortality, but also danger.
1: Welcome to the Studio Break Podcast. I'm your host, David Linaway. For episode 145, we have Bethany Carlson from Peoria, Illinois, joining us. Once again, Bethany is a 2014 Studio Break competition winner. Her work was selected by none other than Richard Holland, the former director of Bad at Sports and co-founder of Bad at Sports, so we're very excited to have Bethany on We are going to talk about her exhibition that's closing at the Peoria Art Guild. Again, her solo exhibition is titled Fathom and features a variety of different drawing-based works, and we're going to talk all about that in the podcast, so stay tuned for that. If you're new to Studio Break, we want to let you know Studio Break is a podcast and blog site. We feature a variety of different artists. They come on here, and I interview them all about their process, their studio practice, and we share these interviews on Studio Break. Once again, there is a big archive you can go through on the left sidebar to scroll month by month. You can go to the iTunes store, subscribe to the podcast, and listen there, which is another great way. Or you can also listen right there in the default player. So please check out some of the episodes that we've had. We've had a lot. If you're all over social media, please be sure to check out our Facebook page. You can follow our Tumblr account, that's studio-break.tumblr, and please tweet us and say hello at Studio Break on Twitter, and that's all of that stuff out of the way, so let's get to this interview with Bethany. Stay tuned. Why don't I say welcome officially to Studio Break, Bethany Carlson, how are you?
0: I'm great. Thank you.
1: And again, we're talking to you from where? Remind me tonight.
0: I am in Peoria, Illinois. All
1: right. All right. have a exhibition that is up called Fathom at the Peoria Art Guild, which is uh, actually closing uh, kind of shortly. But uh, again, great to have you on. Thank you. I guess to get us started, where where did you wind up growing up? And we'll go from there.
0: Well, I grew up in Illinois. I grew up in Edwardsville, uh, Glen Carbon area which is about 20 minutes outside of St. Louis. Um so I went to Edwardsville High School and I was also homeschooled for quite a bit of grade school. But um we lived there since I was about 7, 7 years old. Mm-hmm. Um so I feel like I grew up there. Yeah, and that that's that was pretty much my home. Uh, even mm-hmm. my undergrad was at SIUE right there in Edwardsville, so I didn't really move away until graduate school. So Edwardsville is my hometown.
1: Is is kind of like the wilderness, the outdoor, kind of growing up in that region, you know, something that kind of made an impact on you when you were younger? Or is that something that I'm just kind of making up uh, as I'm looking?
0: Well, I think I was really curious as a kid growing up and I was really interested in um, nature. But I, I think I was more just really observational. You know, I mm-hmm. just... Um, paid a lot of attention. I was a pretty quiet kind of child and um, always loved art. And I think it was a way of observing for me, Mm -hmm. um, trying to replicate or draw something. So um, I I think it really came back to just, I was just really observant and interested in knowing something a little more deeply, understanding, you know, the texture of something or um, certainly, you know, birds and insects and Mm-hmm. things like that. So yeah, I think I think art became a way of observing and I think I was um maybe not as aware of it at the at the time how much it was influencing me, but looking back, you know, I think I think it was definitely a part of it.
1: And were there anything I guess, in particular that you were kind of looking at in terms of a subject, because, again, you kind of work maybe explores different types of portraits as well. I mean, did you just yeah. kind of do whatever? I mean, I know, again, um, I guess when I think back to like grade school and high school, like comic books for me were, were kind of it. But <laughs> what kind of things were you interested in?
0: Well, you know, because I was homeschooled, I had the luxury of being interested in or investigating whatever I was interested in, which is really one of the great things. You you become self-taught in a lot of ways. You sort of learn to teach yourself. Um, and so I, I think I was very interested in, uh, you know, animals and things that most kids are interested in. And we would get these, they were called zoo books, and they told you all about animals and it showed you their anatomy, you know, their skeletal structure and their muscular structure. And then there were pictures, but there were also illustrations. And so I looked at those quite a bit, not just because I thought animals were interesting, but because it really showed me what they were made of. And it also showed me illustrations. So I would try to mimic or copy those illustrations. And I I just remember really looking carefully At line and direction, and wanting to learn about art and how to draw and how to use line at the same time as being interested in those subjects. So I think it really kind of became, they were connected there. Illustrations of nature and then photographs of nature and uh, animals in particular were sort of my entry. And then, of course, you know, most kids do get into cartooning. And I remember at one point thinking it would be the greatest thing in the world to, you know, create Disney movies and Mm -hmm, such. And mm -hmm. so I did, I did collect books on cartooning and things like that too, you know?
1: And so were you kind of active also in terms of like taking classes as you kind of, uh, I guess got older or did you kind of come to art through a different way or?
0: Yeah, definitely. As I got older, but I, um, initially it was just me. It was just me wanting to do it. <laughs> and all of my I was I grew up as one of uh one of six kids and I was the only one that was really interested in art and I was the only one that wasn't really interested in any kind of athletic activity. <laughs> uh both because I was terrible at it <laughs> and because I just I really didn't have that interest. And so while my other siblings were at practice or at games, you know, I could sit and I could draw, so for a very for for a while, it was really just me you know looking at books and observing and really studying I guess how to draw in different ways of drawing and and I was just really interested in knowing as much as I could and being as observant as I could again studying other illustrations or drawings to try to figure out you know how is this artist doing this, you know. And then eventually, I, I know my mom did try to put me in art classes and I really hated it because <laughs> I was pretty, I think I was pretty, I was very comfortable being, you know, alone. I had some friends, but I really liked doing things on my own. But um, eventually I came to appreciate those those classes, you know, being with other other kids who were interested in what I was interested in. And so by the time I got into high school and I was in public school at that point, um, taking those art classes was really important.
1: In the case of being homeschooled and then kind of being in, I guess in an environment then where you've got, you know, other kids and other students that are interested in art. Was that something that was kind of, I don't know, just interesting? Like, cause you kind of had said that you were kind of on your own quite a bit.
0: Yeah, it was, it was difficult at first. Um, some of the camps I took a camp, I'll never forget. Um, I don't remember how old I was exactly, but there was a camp that I went to at SAUE. It was like a summer thing and that was really a critical kind of thing for me to do because I met others that were my age that I really liked being around. and But it wasn't an intimidating situation. And going from homeschool to public school was incredibly intimidating. You know, there's all these other things that um, you can account for, just feeling self-conscious, you know. And so that was an opportunity for me to just focus on being with other others my age that were really interested in art and it it being less of an intimidating scenario and it just being about art. Um, High school was not just about that. So so it was, it was, it was tough. I would say it was a tough transition, but being able to take art classes um, and at least have a couple classes throughout each semester that I really liked and excelled at was, you know, that, that made it a lot better. By the time I was a senior, I had taken every art class I could and I had extra hours left. And so they let me do, um, one of my teachers let me do an independent study in her class. And that was pretty amazing too. And of course, an independent study for me was kind of a natural thing to do because I was, again, used to doing a lot of things um, art-related independently. So that was an amazing opportunity that I had towards the end of high school that allowed me to um, oil paint for the first time, you know, do different things for the first time uh, within a classroom where there was materials and the space and the time to do it. Mm-hmm. So that was that was uh, a great leap. Then into it, really kind of solidified for me that I was going to pursue that in my undergrad.
1: And just just art, right? Just just yeah, like it's just okay, it's <laughs> interesting. Well, it's interesting because it seems like people always. I don't know, come do it through different routes. So some people seem very direct and they know what they want to do. So, um, it's very interesting.
0: Yeah. It ended up being just, it ended up just being kind of a straight line. Like just, this is what I'm going to do. And I didn't consider anything else. I think, you know, a lot of people ask me the question though, well, what are you going to do with that? You know, Mm -hmm. where's that going to take you? And (laughs) I kind of ignored it. Um, it's not till, you know, much later that you go, well, it wasn't such a bad question.
1: Right. Right.
0: (laughs) But uh, it just was the only thing that I really loved doing and felt good about doing. And so for me, it was it wasn't really a question at all. It was what I was going to do, you know,
1: said earlier that you'd started um, your your BFA at Southern Illinois University at Edwardsville. Um, You know, a lot of those early classes are kind of supposed to be technical kind of based classes. Did you find it to kind of be that that kind of, uh, I don't know, zone where you could just kind of focus on working and, and kind of making things really representational or realistic and just kind of focus on the technique of all that?
0: Yeah, I found it to be a really beneficial time, I think, for me to just um, keep doing the things that I had been doing. But what was amazing was that I was learning all of these vocabulary words <laughs> that mm-hmm. I didn't know. Because <laughs> when, you, when you sort of are doing things independently the way that I had been, um, you, you figure things out, but you don't know that there's a word for, you know, like cross contour, mm-hmm. you know? So I remember in undergrad that first semester to just going, Oh, there, there's something, there's a name for this, <laughs> you know, there's... but so it was really exciting for me. I mean, it was, I really enjoyed those classes and, you know, the more I got into that department, the art department, the more, uh, I was really happy with school. I'd, I'd never been like an exceptional student, but, it became it became really important to me to be a good student, uh, especially towards the end of undergrad when I decided to do my Bachelor of Fine Arts.
1: And I was going to say, were there any like particular maybe like artists or things that you were exposed to that were kind of, I don't know, kind of feeding this a little bit? I'm, I'm, I mean, I know that's such an open-ended question and you <laughs> could probably answer a bunch of different ways, but...
0: Yeah. Well, I think for me, um, it was, it was actually watching the processes of the faculty and even the graduate students. It was really important that there were graduate students at SIUE and, um, and they were really critical for me actually, because I, I felt that they were even doing more research and more independent work and they were working in studio, you know, regularly. And I, I loved that. I loved the idea of that. So it just kept pushing me, to go further. Um, there wasn't a, a particular artist at that time or a particular form of art. Um, I was very much a drawer until I got into undergrad. Uh, and then I pursued painting. I think I just thought, well, painting is what you're supposed to do, you know, but I loved painting. So at that time, there, was, there wasn't there was really a particular, again, artist or, you know, series of works or anything that that motivated me. But watching the graduate students and and seeing how dedicated they were, that really pushed me. I wanted to be doing work at that level.
1: I think that makes complete sense, you know, especially it sounds like too, like if you're in in a place where you're kind of like learning all of the I don't know, the technique and, and you kind of got all of that side of it down to kind of start putting it together in, in terms mm-hmm. of, you know, researching different things and, and kind of looking at that. Was that kind of what graduate school was then for you?
0: Yeah. So it became just an opportunity to, to do more research and to get more conceptual and to, you know, do some other works and try some new things. Um, I had been advised by one of my mentors uh, while getting my BFA at Southern Illinois at Edwardsville to take some years off. So I took two years off from undergrad to graduate school so that I would have some time in between. And I just made paintings. I, uh, I turned a bedroom in my parents' house into a studio, <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
0: which I realized how lucky I am that they let that happen. Sure. And, uh, I just made paintings and I worked, you know, I got a job and I, I worked and I exhibited around Edwardsville, um, St. Louis area. And I just, you know, saw how that looked. And, um, and it was really fun. It was really exciting. I did a little bit of teaching and I really enjoyed teaching a little bit more than I thought I would. Um, But eventually, you know, after that two years, I got a little restless and I thought, that's it. I got to go. I got to get to graduate school. If it's going to happen, it's going to happen now. So I, I applied a little bit late to, uh, some schools in the Southwest, um, And primarily the one school that I was really interested in, that was where I ended up, which was New Mexico State University in uh, Las Cruces.
1: Yeah. Talk about like a nice change of uh, scenery, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah, I, you know, I am a little overwhelmed at decision making. And, uh, the thought of trying to figure out where I wanted to go to school was really tough. So I decided to pick a region of the country I wanted to, to go to, and I'd never been, um, to an- anywhere out there, uh, New Mexico or, or, uh, Arizona or anything. So, but I, but I just really wanted to go to a part of the country, um, that would be different, you know, than where I grew up and it seemed exciting. I liked the idea of the heat. <laughs> hmm yeah. So I applied to New Mexico state and I was just so excited. They accepted me, I think within two weeks of getting accepted, because again, I was sort of a late applicant. I was moving out there. I had no idea where I would live. I didn't know anybody. I just, um, took off. That's
1: a great, great place to find yourself in.
0: <laughs> yeah. I think it was critical that I was away from family. I, you know, I, I am very, a very family oriented person and they were always very supportive, but, um, it was hard to spend all that time in studio when there were so many other things going on. And um, so I think it really helped for me to disconnect and just focus on art for that period.
1: And was there like a, a dynamic uh, shift uh, as soon as you got there in terms of, of work? Um, yeah. I, I don't know. I just, I, I'm, I guess it's just, cause I tie everything to me like about <laughs> everything's mm-hmm. about me. Right. Um, but. <laughs> No, but I mean, you know, like place is so interesting for me because, you know, you just go, you know, six hours in a different direction and you're in a different place and, you know, you kind of start noticing things about it. So, I mean, were there certain things that you noticed about that region that became like, oh, yeah, I could I could start exploring this?
0: Yeah. Well, at first it was actually, again, very new and a little strange. <laughs> and I I initially remember distinctly just trying to make work that seemed like a continuum of the things I'd been making, you know, and finding out very quickly that wasn't going to work, that I just, you know, I had this opportunity to make new things and to just, you know, start with afresh in a way, and um, so that first semester, I really tried to just keep making work that was similar to what I had made in the past, and it wasn't going to happen. It was just very clear that I was in a completely different place and in a totally new phase of my life. And, you know, I was going to have to to get observant again about where I am and what I am doing. And so I, I started to look around. And I think that's where um, some of those animal pieces started to reemerge. Because I was looking at the landscape and the, the different wildlife that was there. Um, and I was seeing it as a kind of metaphor, but I was beginning to realize that I needed to focus on what was in my life at that moment. Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm curious, you know, is photography something that you utilize in your your studio? Are you going out and photographing these landscapes and and kind of looking for like wildlife and things to work from? Or could you kind of explain, I guess, um, I don't know how you got further into that process and
0: yeah. Yeah, well, even in undergraduate I realized the importance of the things I was photographing because I was always working from a photograph. I felt comfortable working from life, but I knew practically the ideas that I had it, it wasn't you know as practical. So, I took as many photography courses as I could. In fact, I ended up doing an abroad Uh, trip to Ireland at the end of my BFA at at SAUE, and I started out with, there were painters and photographers going, and I, of course, brought my brand new expensive camera, and uh, I started out, you know, as a painter going on this trip, and I ended up doing nothing but photography. So um, it was really important to me, because I knew not that I would exhibit my photographs, maybe someday that will be something that I do, but because I was relying on My vision for things and, you know, taking that information back into a studio so that I can use it or manipulate it the way that I want. Um, So I, I definitely saw it as a critical part of the process for me of being an observer and trying to document those observations and then translate them into something new.
1: And I'm curious, I mean, is the computer something that winds up, you know, being something that you used in terms of manipulating your photos or...
0: It certainly is now. Yeah. I mean, I, I ended up teaching, um, recent, more recently, you know, as I teach at different colleges, I ended up teaching a computer art course. And so the more that I investigate the possibilities there, they kind of help, you know, shape that vision. It's like sketching, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. with a photograph. So, um, I'm, you know, certainly those are things that i I'm become, I'm utilizing more and more. Definitely.
1: What's so interesting to me about the work is that it's so kind of tight and representational, and yet the images are kind of cropped, really close up, and it almost kind of lends itself to kind of an abstraction, um, kind of combined with the representation in that way. So it kind of changes your expectations a little bit, and so I'm just kind of curious, like especially like that that process in terms of how it works you know what I mean, in terms of like mm-hmm. what kind of different parameters kind of like set up a different body. So I guess if we're kind of jumping back in a time machine, um, <laughs> you know, somewhere <laughs> in your, your developing, uh, graduate years, I mean, um, what kind of things, um, I guess would you do in terms of like a process, um, to work through something like a drawing?
0: Well, um, you know, I'd kind of start out with a a half a half assed idea, if I can mm-hmm. say that. Like, you know, it wasn't a fully formed idea, but something that was sort of general and and and, and one of two things would happen. I, I would either go out and seek more data, if you will, to help make that happen. I I've always tried to argue um to people that I'm really not that creative <laughs> because I really have to see things. And they have to come together, you know, from my observations. I I don't just invent a whole lot. So I I would either go out and, and, you know, seek those things that were sort of half formed in my mind as an idea, or I would go out and I would find something else and it would sort of reshape that idea for me, you know? But really I I would start with a concept. um, And that concept could lead me to, you know, making several works or just one isolated piece. But I think, um, Going out and and sort of hunting for visual data is is one of my favorite parts about making art, you know, and then responding to something and seeing what happens when I make it my own when i when I translate it or transfer it into something else and when I would come across dead animals, um, which was something that I found myself doing and observing and photographing, um there was something really grotesque about it you know and and sort of strange and um you know, it was like observing the abject. And I liked the idea that I could turn those things into something kind of beautiful. And so I think in some ways the cropping and the manipulating, uh, was my way of sort of transcending that death and, and grotesqueness and trying to transfer it into something beautiful poetic you know formal
1: I, I think just the subtlety like especially like in terms of uh textures or fields um, I don't know really kind of seem very apparent you know just kind of looking over a lot of the different work I don't know could you just talk a little bit about that process and
0: yeah I mean i I think for me i I wanted to leave a level of ambiguity you know I, I try not to give too much away but then sometimes it seems that people respond to uh knowing a little bit more about what they're looking at so i i feel and sometimes i do you know i i feel that sometimes i'm i'm sort of toying around with how much to expose um and that's, again, where some of that cropping comes in. And I'm, I'm always a little surprised that when I can get away with as little as possible, that's usually what I'm trying to do. I try to omit as much as I can. I think I think in some ways it's, it's a kind of challenge um, for me. But I, I, I don't like the idea of extraneous information. Um, I have a tendency to kind of Pair things down. And so even in my painting, I was constantly, early on, I was constantly omitting background stuff and just turning it into a field, you know, a field of color or something. Um, So I think there's this part of the process for me that's about omission. And even in my drawings and in the charcoal pieces, they really are about a reduction uh, in, in process as well that the charcoal pieces are a field of charcoal completely covering the panel and then I create an image by erasing or taking away charcoal so I think in many in many ways uh, I feel very comfortable with the process that is a reductive process and that allows me to, to just continue to omit and eliminate both in the process of making, but also in deciding what image will be presented in the end.
1: I am curious then, too, are, are any of the uh, the works that you wind up making, do you wind up cropping them down kind of afterwards? Are, are you kind of giving yourself room or are they very much like composed, like how they're going to relate to, you know, the format of whatever it is that you're working on?
0: Uh, by the time I, I start working on a panel, it's very controlled. Um, I've decided exactly what will be there. Um, that doesn't mean that my idea wins out, you know, sometimes Mm -hmm. in the end I look at it and I just go, well, nope, (laughs) that's not it. Well, usually what I can do is, is I can sand it back down and I can start completely over. Um, but I use Dremel tools and I use sandpaper. So sometimes those marks that I've made are really on that surface. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um and so there's some there's a challenge there of how to work with the marks that are already there. And so sometimes it's it's a process that's actually um out of my control where I'm just kind of feeling where this thing's gonna go. But usually it's it's a pretty controlled thing where I'm I'm working with an image and I'm working with several ideas and I finally decide, okay, this is what I'm what I'm gonna make. Um, and I've, I've gotten to the point where I, I can sort of see an image and I can, I know if I can make it look the way it is in my head, you know,
1: are you you like gritting things out? How, how, I don't know how much it's hard to know just based off of looking at something, you know, like what type of process, you know, maybe one implores. So it's hard to kind of know how you know, how rigid, I guess, maybe you are, because I, you know, as someone that maybe doesn't feel as confident with charcoal, (laughs) you know, (laughs) you're looking at these and going, gosh, you know, it's just so very subtle. Um, But I mean, is it like super technical? Or is there kind of like a level of, I don't know, responsiveness and kind of, you know, reacting to the type of different textures or lines or marks or whatever that you're putting down?
0: When it it comes to the composition, it's pretty technical. I think I'm pretty rigid about again, what, what I'm going to present and, and where and how. Um, but, but when it comes to responding to the surface textures of say the animal fur, there are times when I take liberties with it um, and I, I change little parts um, or I exaggerate little tufts or areas. Um, and I think, again, that's something that I think about in the planning, but it's something that I'm able to do also now that I'm I've become sort of Little by little, you know, every time I make a work, it feels like I know a little bit more about this process, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I feel comfortable taking liberties with with exaggerating a certain area or making areas larger, you know, smaller or just um, emphasizing certain parts over others and creating variation within the textures, which is also important to me.
1: And I guess in terms of the format, too, I'm just kind of curious then. So are these all works on paper that are that are mounted to panels or are they kind of framed separately or does it kind of vary from series to series
0: they're actually all panels um just panels they're um, gessoed panels um some of them use more more of your acrylic type gesso and then others are the traditional form of gesso Mm -hmm. both which provide different effects. So, uh, one of the things that I'm really interested in are those different effects because of course the surface quality of the panel itself is really critical to the surface quality of the piece. So, um, those are things that I'm, I'm really observing and sort of working with, but always, um, I mean, I, I rarely, I don't think there's anything from this exhibition or on my site that's a, a charcoal work on paper. Not that I've never made one, but, um, So they're they're all panel uh, with gesso, and then I um, over layering powdered charcoal on the surface, I eventually get this very almost velvety kind of dark black surface. I mean, just completely black surface. And then uh, I'm able to just erase out my image, and that light or white from the gesso is what creates the lights and the darks.
1: So it's like a very, very rich kind of tonal image when, when it's finished, just because there's so much of that powdered charcoal kind of caked on and, and worked right, over. Right, right. It's very interesting. Does it have to be super smooth in terms of a surface, or can there be kind of, kind of like a tooth to it? Or
0: Yeah, well, you know, that's sort of the, the interesting area, because the more tooth it has, you know, the easier it is to manipulate. There's different tools that I can use, but that tooth will sometimes counter the texture i'm creating so that's the thing that i battle with where if i use the traditional gesso it will be a completely smooth surface but there won't be as much tooth so i need to use fixatives to adhere that charcoal and then i have to work against the fixatives and get them back up so it's it's um a compromise there that i'm i'm sort of trying to find um just the right process for me where i have the right amount of tooth but also it's not going to hinder the textures that I'm creating.
1: And I guess just to kind of give like an idea, like too in terms of time, how how long um, do you typically work on on one of these? Is it kind of relative to like scale?
0: Yeah, I mean, it really does make a difference uh, scale wise, but honestly, the biggest um, factor is just, is it working or not? <laughs> because mm-hmm. <laughs> there's so many times when I'm really sure that something is going to work out great. And, and as I develop it, I'm just not not happy with it, where other times I'm not really sure about something, but you know I set set out to do it, and I become really happy with it and and it comes together really easy, so I think it just depends and and each surface that I prepare, you know sometimes there's little challenges to them, and every little detail about that surface becomes apparent when you're making these tiny marks and they're reductive marks and so you can see any little shift in the panel. I mean, it, becomes, it's so different than painting where you can just cover things up um, where with this, you know, every little, every little dent or, you know, brush mark or something on a panel is, is something that I'm going to end up seeing and dealing with. So.
1: Would you say primarily you're mostly kind of interested in, I guess, exploring different things with texture or, cause I'd imagine that you're kind of working maybe like with a number of different, Ideas or different bodies at the same time. I mean, what what kind of things um, attract you to kind of start investigating it as maybe like a series or you know something that's more serious than maybe sketches or.
0: Well, I I feel like I I feel like there's a number of things that I, I'm interested in creating and, and I sort of rotate through them. When I when I paint, I have a tendency to not use brushes and I, I layer on. Layers and layers and layers of colors and paint. And um, that was something that I began in undergraduate. And I think it had a lot to do with me not exactly understanding color, Mm -hmm. (laughs) at least not feeling comfortable with it. So my way of of dealing with that was to just use it as radically as possible. I, I never really wanted to be compared to other artists. I wasn't really interested in investigating other artists and all that research I did being homeschooled and such. I didn't, I wasn't looking to understand artists, but in graduate school, I I began to do a lot of reading, you know, about how artists worked and their processes and um, just some of the um, philosophy behind the works that they were making. And that was really influential to me um, reading about artists like uh, uh, Doris Salcedo, who is one of my favorite artists and just, the way that the the content of her work really connects with the sculptures that she creates um and uh Vija Selman's, you know just the the cool and quiet and pristine works that she makes there's just such a sophistication and beauty and poetry to to her images and they have so much power you know as images um and so there were there were certain artists that as I began to discover them uh, really helped me to find, I think my place in terms of being an image maker and, and, and an artist, uh, both in process and just conceptually thinking about what I'm doing and, and why I'm doing
1: it. And so did it kind of become a, a balance between the ideas and then the processes that you'd use?
0: Where I didn't feel as knowledgeable, um I would sort of set up processes for myself that sort of circumvented that, you know, so that I didn't mm-hmm. have to I didn't have to worry about it. And it, it sort of freed me up. I didn't have any inhibitions about what I was doing. I could just work. And so with painting, you know, I, I wasn't sure that I really understood color. Gradually I became better at mixing color and understanding it. But um initially it was it was just really fun for me to use it as as radically as possible. And so layer and layer and layer. And then I would kind of chip away at those layers and reveal paint underneath. And there were always images that would emerge. Uh, so there was always a level of representation to it. But the colors would become sort of spontaneous and in some ways out of, out of my control. So the thing that I realized is a part of my work now that was a part of my work then was that idea of the reductive part um, taking away and letting it be about an additive process, but also a reductive process. And also um, that texture, you know, that surface quality. And so I, I think there are things that carry over over. I think it's fair to say that I'm, I am interested in a surface quality and, a, and textures and, And I I have a tendency when I paint to kind of cycle back through that, you know. So there are a series of works that seem really distinctively different, I think, in some ways. But for me, there's a connection, and I'll work in one vein for quite a while. I'll put together an exhibition like the one at um, the Peoria Art Guild recently, which is mostly charcoal. Uh, There's one painting there, and and it's really kind of... uh, conceptually about something that is very, um, real. And I think my life currently, um, and then I'll, I'll kind of rotate around and, you know, maybe do another series, you know, of, of something a little different. And I think it's, it's important for me to work that way because I, I don't get bored and I, I feel always challenged. And I think it allows me to think about some of the conceptual ideas that I have and really ask myself, well, what's the best way to execute this? You know. And it allows me to put something on a back burner and decide, you know, this is something for later, but it's going to happen, you know, and not feel like I have to do everything right now.
1: But I mean, are are there particular takeaways, like conceptual takeaways that you want people to have when when they're going to see some of your work in terms of, I guess, the way they relate to it or?
0: Well, uh, there was one particular body of work. It was really kind of a small one, but it was significant for me that was based off a song. And it was just this one song that I heard in graduate school and it really kind of hit home and... Uh, that little series of works was just um for me about uh myself <laughs> but i think that, uh, and and things that i was thinking about but um it was just about the way that you know psychologically we human beings have a tendency to allow you know things into our lives that are maybe regrettable and and later we realize we're we're potentially dangerous and the series of paintings were of these Um, violent uh, like wolf-like creatures entering into a kind of domestic scene. And the whole idea uh, behind those works was just um, the challenge of trying to protect oneself, you know, and be on guard, but also, you know, not be, not be too cautious, you know, but I think it was just with this one song that kind of like articulated that idea. And I kept seeing these visuals for it. And so I made them, And that jump-started for me another series that was observing those roadkill animals, really. Um, And so it got me thinking about death and the ferocity of an animal, but also the sort of tenderness of its texture. So there's that duality. And so one thing led to another where I was thinking suddenly about mortality, but also danger, you know, and 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 so the, that was the connection there um and now currently uh, my my husband is a funeral director. we um, have both experienced loss in our life. I think that has been profound um in terms of our understanding of of death and just our life experience and so we talk a lot about a um, death and and mortality and so I think that has become a center, a kind of subject of many of the works that. I've made certainly this most recent exhibition, Fathom. So um, definitely, I think there's some universals that I try to adhere to in terms of you know having a direction and thinking about, well, what do I want people to take away? Because there's all these things that I know about the work. But like I said, it's really important for me to have the liberty to omit and to eliminate things and to pare down. So if I do that, what am I omitting that the viewer doesn't get to see and what do I want them to see, you know? Mm -hmm. And so for me, it's usually something really simple, Um, you know, something uh, about the, the nature of, um, of death or of loss or something about um, psychologically this, you know, desire to be around something that might be dangerous or to let something that might be dangerous in. Um, But you know, how, how does one, navigate that that desire you know
1: well it, it's interesting to me especially just because i'm thinking about like the scale of these and again in terms of the way that they're cropped i mean they're so unlike um what people might think of as like animal pictures do you mm-hmm. know what i mean like like again there, there's something that is really interesting in terms of playing that up because you know even though they're not like you know 70 feet tall or something they're still like a nice size but there's still so much I guess, different than that normal context that you think of them. Um, and to kind of think of yeah. like this nice, rich, kind of like tone surface. I mean, I think a lot of the things that you're talking about, you know, seem like they're like they translate. I don't know. I, I think that makes an awful lot of sense in terms of some of the things that you're talking about.
0: Well, thanks. I mean, I certainly hope so. You know, it's, it's something that I consider and I, I certainly I talk about them as being. I've said said several times, you know, these animal-like pieces, but it was never my desire for them to just seem like animal pieces. And I think that's um, one of the challenges that I've had is, is that I certainly don't want them to just appear that way or for it to just stop there. I want them to elicit quite a bit more than that. And so um, I I see that as one of the challenges and one of the joys of making these works is trying to meet that challenge and have them communicate the way that the images and the experience communicates to me, you know, being in front of one of these, you know, dead animals or whatever it might be.
1: And so with an exhibition, uh, you know, kind of wrapping up like this, I mean, is it something where you're already kind of keeping your eyes peeled for for stuff that you're going to be jumping into, like? maybe complete departures or where, where are you at, I guess, now that you've uh, kind of got this wrapping up?
0: I'm already thinking about, you know, what the next body of work will look at, look like. Um, that's always fun for me too, is just to, to kind of come off of, you know, making this, this exhibition. And I was very driven with this one um, as far as what I wanted it to look like and the the kind of connection these pieces would have. And, and so um I'm really excited about about making, you know, more work. And uh, I, there's a possibility of a show. I'm not really sure if I should. Say, I, I don't know how in the works this show is, but um, the McLean County Art Center in in Bloomington, there's a show I think that might happen in September and October. I've been invited to be a part of it, and it's a uh, about um, death, loss, and rebirth. And so I'm really excited to have been invited to participate in that, especially since it's really kind of right up my alley at the, at the moment, you know, that's, that's um, definitely something that I, I feel like would be good. And I, yeah, I'm working on just what, what will be next, you know, a, another exhibition and, and I'm really um, not exactly sure, you know, what that will be, <laughs> but you know, there's all those things that I put on hold, you know, that now I can go back to and go, okay, well, so what can I work on now? What can I jump into? And so that's always really fun. And it's, it's great to have put all that studio time into an exhibition, too, because you want to keep that up, you know, and maintain that that level of commitment and discipline into to the studio time. And so um, that's really going to be the thing that I'm going to work work at is just maintaining that level of, of studio dedication, you know.
1: Yeah, I, I I just think it's interesting just because, like, you know, when, when we first started talking, that whole idea of, you know, representation and kind of like. I don't know. It just makes me think about like almost like a meditative practice, you know, on on life. And it just makes me think also that there's a lot of possibilities in terms of the way, you know, you're always going to be kind of changing, you know, in terms of the way that you relate to things like, like death, like you're talking about, or, you know, maybe kind of noticing it in different ways, or I don't know, it just, it kind of makes it very interesting. And also kind of makes me think about how, I don't know, different, um, that experiences maybe to then to, I don't know, just a world that's kind of consumed with, um, I guess, a uh, digital snooping, I don't know, <laughs> you know, um, it, well, it's yeah. just an interesting idea, you know, like it's. It...
0: Yeah. Well, I, I really, I really believe in, in many ways in, in the power that an image can have. I think in some ways, um, you know, representational art can be a tricky area because, you know, there's not a whole lot of new things out there, <laughs> you know, to look at. So as an artist, you know, um, it could be difficult to to navigate through countless images on, on the internet, you know, and feel like you're creating anything new as far as an experience, like a visual experience. Um, but, but for me, I, I really feel like there's a power in presenting not just an image, but an object to the viewer and, and that that's part of the challenge. And, and so I, you know, I, I like working and navigating through that area and, and seeing if, if there's still something there, if an image can still surprise me, you know. Um, And sometimes it does and sometimes it doesn't.
1: Yeah, it sounds like a true statement to me. Uh, um, I think that, you know, again, artists really just kind of piece together different things that wind up working for them and, you know, kind of turn it into something in the studio. It's
0: been important to me, you know, to... um. To think about how other artists work and processes and, and to come to my own mode of working and my own form of processes. I find myself teaching that a lot to my students that, you know, they're, they're the ones that are going to determine what their studio time and what their creative efforts look like. You know, there's a lot of different ways to do it and and they have to figure out, you know, what makes sense for them. You know.
1: Well, you know, again, thanks so much for taking the time to speak with me this evening. It's been really you know, interesting hearing about your work and, and learning all about it. So thanks uh, for taking the time.
0: Well, thank you very much, David. I, I've enjoyed it, and I really appreciate it.
1: Thanks once again to Bethany for joining us. Her solo exhibition closes this week at the Peoria Art Guild. It's called Fathom, so check it out if you can. You can always visit our website as well, so please check that out. That's Bethany J. Carlson, and there's plenty of work on there for you to digest, so go ahead and visit the site and check it out. Once again, new listeners, we want to let you know Studio Break is a podcast and blog site. We have a bunch of different interviews, so if you've missed them, please take the time to check them out. Again, you can visit all of the archives by going through the left sidebar, scrolling month by month, and checking out the podcasts that you've missed. Remember, you can also find our archived episodes in iTunes, so please go there and subscribe. Once again, if you would be so kind as to leave us some feedback, it's uh, generally greatly appreciated. Uh, It helps others from around the country find this podcast, so you might give someone uh, something to listen to while they're in the studio or on the way to work. Who knows? You can also follow us in a number of different social media formats, so please like and follow our Facebook page. You can follow our Tumblr account at studio-break.tumblr, and you can also send us tweets at Twitter, also a great place to uh, share your work with Studio Break, so please go ahead and do that. I do want to take a second to thank Skylar Mail and tell you to go check out his website. Skylar provides the music to Studio Break and is a visual artist as well. So go check it out, SkylarMail.com. If you want, you can find out a little bit more about my work at DavidLinaway.com and maybe get a little bit of a different perspective about who's asking the questions. So please check it out at DavidLinaway.com. And that's all of our show this week. So thanks once again for listening. We hope that you enjoyed it. We'll talk to you real soon.